Welcome to Rocking Your Prize. I am your host, Dr. Alice Evans. Now, I have a little announcement. I've started a substack, dralicevans.substack.com. I would love it if you'd join me and possibly consider being a paid subscriber. This will fund my research across the USA, enabling me to listen and learn from different communities. I'd really appreciate your help. Okay, now here's today's question. Is joblessness fueling hostile sexism worldwide? Economic development promotes gender equality. But why? Does industrialization enable women to liberate themselves from patriarchal control? Or is prosperity paramount for men's egalitarianism? In this podcast, I'll try to persuade you of both. I think that when men's upward mobility is thwarted, they lash out at women. This holds across America, North Africa, and possibly more broadly. So number one, sexual harassment goes up when American men lose work. They also tend to share abusive porn, oppose abortion, buy guns, and reject female politicians. White men, retrenched in 2020, were then more likely to support Trump. Backlash is especially severe in communities where unemployment has disproportionately hit men. It's also mediated by culture, highest amongst Republicans. Men who feel unfairly disadvantaged also tend to endorse hostile sexism. So they say things like women exaggerate problems they have at work or women seek to gain power by getting control over men. This resentment holds in both China and America. Misogyny is not just materialistic, of course. Ever since the 1970s, the religious right has harnessed media networks to ignite fears, mobilise zealots and affirm their righteous resistance. Charisma and propaganda are powerful tools. But they resonate most strongly amongst those stuck behind in small towns, lacking the capacity to thrive. Now, America is not exceptional. Unemployment has also exacerbated male resentment in the Middle East and North Africa. Now, the cult of female seclusion goes back at least a thousand years. Persian theologians managed state institutions of learning when Iraq was the seat of the Sunni Muslim empire, transmitting Mesopotamian and Zoroastrian influences to Islam, clerics Sorry, clerics extolled rightful patriarchs who achieved ethical perfection by cloistering their wives. Religious authoritarianism inhibited dissent right across the Ottoman Empire. But from the early 20th century, ambitious leaders sought to catch up with Europe by embarking on top-down economic modernization and societal transformation. From Cairo to Kabul, educated women abandoned their veils and shortened their hemlines. In the 1970s, disruption ground to a halt. As Egyptian graduates increasingly struggled to secure white-collar work, they found solace in religion. They turned to the Muslim Brotherhood. Clerics declared the economic and military failures of the state to be punishment for aping the West. Men sought to restore order by demanding veiling, harassing women in the streets, and enforcing patriarchal dominance. This ideological battle of persuasion is exacerbated by relative deprivation. 
the Middle East and North Africa has an exceptionally high share of frustrated unemployed graduates. It ranges from over 20 to 30 percent. Just checking my graph here. Whereas in Latin America, it's like below 10 percent. So there's a big, big difference um, between 20 and 30 percent across the Middle East and North Africa and then below 10 percent in Latin America. Why is that? Well, men's reservation wage in the Middle East may be raised by extended family support for young men, enabling them to forego unpleasant jobs. Now, Islamic revivalism has prevented reform. Barking a global trend, Muslim-majority countries of the Middle East and North Africa have maintained sexist legislation. Now, importantly... Economic insecurity does not, and I repeat not, preclude feminist progress. Latin Americans have suffered economic turmoil, yet made massive feminist advances. Female employment, activism, representation have all sought. Ten Latin American countries now require gender balance amongst legislative candidates. Likewise in Zambia, where I did my own PhD, economic downturn actually advanced gender equality. Impoverishment forced urban women into the labour market, where they demonstrated equal competence and gained respect. Culture matters. Since female seclusion was never idealised, Zambian and Latina women could seize new economic and political opportunities. Now, here's the big question going forward, and I don't know the answer to this. To what extent has relative deprivation worsened hostile sexism worldwide? Unemployment amongst religious conservatives has fueled hostile sexism and calls for patriarchal controls. We see this in both America and North Africa. Political elites have gained strength by courting these bigots and restricting women's rights. Where else? To what extent does globally uneven progress towards gender equality reflect the underlying economic divergence, men's frustrations, on hostile sexism? I also wonder what are the implications of automation. If low-skilled jobs are replaced by robots, men stuck in America's small towns may become even more misogynist. Progress towards gender equality may then bifurcate with economic mobility. College-educated men secure high earnings, happily care for their kids, and vote for female leaders. Meanwhile, those left behind are lashing out. Thank you for listening. Okay, I repeat, my substack is now dralicevans.substack.com and if you would like to be a paid supporter of my research around the world, and I really promise all I do with money is spend it on research. Um, so you're just putting in what you're getting out. Um, thank you very much for listening.